It's a widely known fact that the Stratford sisters aren't allowed to date. For every girl who's ever hoped. Daddy, as you know, it's the prom. Every guy who's ever tried. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No! And anyone. You're concentrating awfully hard considering it's gym class. Who's ever been taken completely by surprise? You're not as vile as I thought you were. Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, to all of the rom-coms I've loved before. I'm Helia. I'm Mary. And this is our first episode where we're going to talk about the classic rom-com, 10 Things I Hate About You. That's So... As I said, just to repeat our names, I'm Helia. This is my voice. This is Mary. And our um, our guest today is my partner, actually, Ricky. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Um, so, Ricky, why don't you tell us a little bit about like your relationship, relationship. with rom-coms and podcasts? <laughs> Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so it's uh, my first time ever being on a podcast. Really excited about that. Um, and my relationship with rom-coms is that I like them. I think it's a fun format to, to watch in a movie. Hmm. Have you seen 10 Things I Hate About You before I made you watch it last weekend? I think so. I, I didn't remember any of the plot, so maybe not. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Alright, so um, just like to give a, a quick outline of what the what you can expect from the episode, and generally all our episodes is we'll start off with a recap, you know, as a reminder of what the movie was about, general plot. There probably will be spoilers, and we'll um, then the of course the meat of the podcast of the episode will be an assessment. Uh, we'll discuss, you know, various aspects of it, music, characters, and then we'll end the show with our favorite moments and any lingering questions we have. So at this point, I'll, um, I'm going to take it over to Mary, who's going to give us a recap of 10 Things I Hate About You. Great, great. So this is definitely going to have some spoilers, but this movie came out in 1999, so, you know, you should yeah. have seen it. If you haven't seen it, then where have you been? <laughs> what are you doing? Stop listening to this podcast and watch it. So... Here's just a brief recap from the New York Times um, uh, synopsis. In a sea of late 90s rom-coms, 10 things stood out for remaining faithful to its Shakespearean roots. Based on The Taming of the Shrew, the film centered on the Stratford sisters, whose strict father won't allow Bianca, played by Larissa Olenek, to date until her older sister Kat, played by Julia Stiles, does. The problem, Kat has no use for boys. She's got her sights set on college. Hoping to go out with Bianca, new student Cameron, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, hatches a convoluted plan to get Patrick Verona, played by Heath Ledger, to date the prickly cat. Of course, drama, romance, and a lot of awkward moments ensue. So that's basically it. I mean, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot going on, but um, the central kind of event that sets the plot in motion is Cameron wanting to date Bianca, so they try to find someone like Patrick, who's willing to date her sister, Kat. Okay, so I actually had never seen or read Taming of the Shrew. Had you? Okay. Uh, yeah, like years ago. Definitely after I saw this movie, though. So I okay. kind of knew the story in reverse. I mean, I probably saw She's the Man before Twelfth Night, too. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I mean, actually, I first remember hearing about, I remember exactly when 10 Things I Hate About You came out because it was the year we lived in Maryland. It was like spring of 1999. And my older sister had seen it. She was old enough to see it. And she was like talking about how great it was. And then it's, oh, 10 Things I Hate About You. And my mom was like, I don't like the sound of this movie. Like hate is a, is a bad word. So, so that was like my first memory of this. And then I probably didn't see it until, you know, like a middle school sleepover or something when I was old enough years later. Yeah, I first saw it in middle school as well. And even when I saw it again in college, I actually didn't know that it was a modern retelling of Taming of the Shrew. Oh, yeah? Um, so it was interesting for me to watch it again more recently, yes. knowing that. Um, so yeah, Ricky, do you, what, I guess you said you don't remember watching it the first time at all. What's that? I didn't remember any of the plot or characters. Um, <laughs> I guess that I enjoyed it this time. I thought it was a, a good watch. Okay. Yeah. Do you, remember, do you know about Taming of the Shroom? Um, no, I'm not familiar with the Shakespeare play. Okay. It actually so, sounds yeah. similar, too. If you Taming of the Shrew, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh! Yeah. Huh. I'm sure it was intentional. Make, yeah, I definitely didn't make that connection. <laughs> a, lot, a lot comes up when you do, you know, like a, like a small amount of internet research. <laughs> um, so I guess, so but yeah. now, now that it's, so what was it like for you, for both of you to watch it now, like as adults? I guess now more uh, than 20 years after it's I, I mean, I agree with Ricky. I think it was a good watch and I, it held up better than I was expecting it to for like a, a teen rom-com. How about you, Ricky? Yeah, I was expecting Sorry, I couldn't hear that. I was expecting it to be uh, very cringy. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think it would age well, but yes. um, I was surprised to the extent that I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Me too. I was actually surprised that it like, a lot of times you go back and watch these things and it's, it's I enjoy them for the nostalgia. Yes. But this one, I was like, no, this is still a really good movie, and it was still making, it was making me laugh at even, like, different places than it me did too. Me before. too. That's a good point. Like, right out of the gate, there's so many good lines, and it's always a little disappointing when you go back and watch something, and you're like, oh, it's, it's good, but not as good as I remember it to be, and this is not that movie. I think this is, like, in the pantheon of really good, you know, movies, not even teen movies, not even teen rom-coms, kind of like Clueless. Like, there's a few movies that I would just say sort of transcend that category. Yeah. Or, like, better than they have any right to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's it definitely had a lot of, like, 90s. I was just like, what? it made me feel a little old because I remembered a lot of, like, like, I remembered a lot of the things that made it very 90s, like their outfits and the references sure. they were made in it. And yes. then when I think about it, I'm like, oh, that was, like, two years ago. And then I was like, no, that's more than 20 years ago. Yeah. So it kind of, like, reminded me of my age a bit. Um, it was all right. I think yeah, no, I, I don't know why it's, like, as good as it is. I don't know if it's, like, the Shakespearean source material is really good or, like, the cast is really, like, a lot of them went on to do a lot of great things. Something that came up when I was reading about the movie, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he was like saying, if I didn't, if I'm being honest, I really did not want to do high school romantic comedy. Like I think 
he kind of thought he was better than that and wanted to do these indie movies. So it was probably a lot of people sort of um, punching below their weight in terms of what they could do. I will say also, now going back, watching it now, knowing that it was like a modern retelling of Shakespeare, there are a few things that I thought were weird when I was younger that I appreciated now. Like um, she has that friend, Kat has that friend that's like in love with Shakespeare. Yeah. And then I remember what, even like in college, I was like, why is this woman so weird? Yeah. Like, that girl was like in everything in the 90s. She was in center stage. She was in Drive Me Crazy. She's like always kind of a mean girl. It was funny to see her as like a nerd. In She's also, it's interesting because she definitely has that face that we all know, but we, <laughs> I don't know the actress's name. I, Susan A. Fat. Susan A. Fat. Um, huh. But then like watching it now and then I'm like, oh, right. They, they I like that they did a little bit of that Shakespeare, like they, they definitely did a good job giving nods to him. And I think earlier, yeah. like in Cameron's first scene, he quotes something from um, I burn, he's talking I about pine, the I Yeah, we yeah. said it again. I burn, I pine, I perish. Yeah. Yes. Because I think there's some lines that they throw in there that are kind of like pseudo Shakespeare, but that is actually a Shakespeare line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's use that as a segue to talking about like maybe specific scenes. Are there, what do you guys think is the most iconic scene? I would say for me, I love uh, Patrick serenading Cat. Like that's oh. such a great scene, and I think part of it that makes it work is the song and Heath Ledger just being very charming. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that it's, scene. It's total it, fantasy. Like that never happened in my high school. No one got serenaded. My high school is also like eighty percent girls. But like, if that happened, you'd be like, oh my god, you have to go to prom with that guy. Like that was just so so charming. What about you guys? Now that, that scene for me, like just you bringing it up, I reflex, like out of reflex smiled. Yeah. Like, and that was also how that song got introduced to me. Like, oh, you didn't know it was uh, Four Seasons? No. Well, because my parents, you know, I didn't grow up with these classics. Right. My parents right. are immigrants. So then when I heard, when I saw Four Seasons, um, the Four Seasons on Broadway, like the story of them. And then <laughs> like, are they Frankie covering Valley 10 things? Singing, I'm like, oh, that's, that's the 10 things I hate about you. That's hilarious. I, I'm sure I, I'm sure that was my first introduction to it too. It was just so good. He, it's, I mean, you're right. It's very swoon worthy and he's like, but he's still, but I even think about how the cops were chasing him. Yeah, yeah, the dance and the smile, it's just very good. I did read somewhere, so I did a little bit of research to, Mary, maybe definitely cut in if you if you remember something, that um, that was Julia Stiles' idea for them to do that song. Yes, that's what I saw too. I feel like a lot of, there was someone in the crew too, like a couple people took credit for the, that idea of that song, but I think I read somewhere, maybe I'm the Julia Stiles thought of it first. And the marching band was actually a real life high school marching band in that county or in that area. Oh, cool. The high they school filmed an entire movie on location, so it's probably some high school in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the, the high school that they were going, that they filmed at actually didn't have a marching band. Okay. Um, but the kid that Pat gives the money to as the bribe, he, mm -hmm. um, he, no, that's like a real, that's a real high schooler. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, there was a lot of things where I was like, because it was from the school, I was like, this is a really, like, classy high school. <laughs> like, they have archery class, and the school looks like this gothic building. It's, like, very nice. It's beautiful. Um, Ricky, what was the most iconic scene for you? 
I think Mary Mary got it there. I think she wins that contest. But <laughs> I was also gonna ag agree that I really like the outro, um, which like oh, yeah. highlighted the architecture of the school with the band playing on top of it. Um, that, yeah, that I, was I think cool. that that's a real band. Is that oh, right? Yeah, or? yeah. Letters to Cleo. Yeah, it's always that. I think it's Letters to Cleo. It's definitely that singer. Um, but yeah, it's funny you bring that up because that came up a lot in the internet research. Apparently that scene was like $500,000 to film. So they told the band like, okay, get it right. Cause it's like $500, $500,000 for this helicopter shot. But also they were not even approved for that. Like the director mentioned it to the studio. They said, oh no, sounds too expensive. Oh. And then the people on the crew were like, okay, so what they say? And he was like, uh, film it. <laughs> and then it ended, and it ended up being one of the most memorable scenes from the movie. Uh, but yeah, the studio did not actually green light for them. Wait, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, when I watched that, I actually got a little bit like, like my heart, my heart raced a bit just thinking about the band on that rooftop and knowing that that's not a green screen. Yeah, that's what terrifying the, to me. That's what the lead singer said. She was like, we're on this platform like the size of my kitchen, just trying not to die and kind of pretend we're still in music video singing along. That's hilarious. Yeah, so they have to do a little bit of acting too, I guess. Um, did you have a favorite scene, Helia? Well, um, I'd say my the iconic scene for me was actually when Kat was reading her poem. Yeah. Oh, oh my God, every time. Even, I mean, it just still makes me tear up. That, that was the other one I was thinking of. And in the um, like New York Times article, they did like an oral history of the movie. And Julia Stiles was interviewed, of course, it was after Heath Ledger's death, so it's like, unfortunate he's not in the article, but um, she says, yeah, you know, I, I did that scene, and Heath, like, intuitively knew. If you notice, he doesn't really, like, super react to it. Like, I think yeah. her performance was so strong, he just kind of takes it all in, and that was, like, definitely yeah. the right choice. And it was it's just funny, like, intuitively as an actor at 19 or however old he was, he knew to, to do that. And she, when she did that scene, she was, the crying was not in the script. And she did that in one take. And the director was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to hug Julia. Like, he just couldn't believe, like, she just held it in one take and did that crying. Oh my gosh. It wasn't in the script. I think so, yeah, about I, that line a lot, though. Like, in my, in my, like, life, I don't even know, like, it's not even directed towards anyone in particular, but just line? that line where she says, the thing I hate most about you is that I don't hate you at all. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I just feel like that's such a, that line I feel like really succinctly describes what it feels like to have such strong feelings for something to a point where it like can really kind of delve into or, or enter that gray area between love and hate. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the things I liked about this movie that I, I probably wouldn't have appreciated when I first watched it was younger is like it very much humanizes not just about the bad boy, but like outsiders and people who want to be kind of their own person. And, you know, when rewatching it for this podcast, I was like, wow, Patrick is like low key, the nicest person in the movie. I mean, he's like giving Cameron a pep talk. He's taking care of Kat when she's possibly has a concussion. Like he's a really great guy and you don't yeah. really get all that from kind of first blush. I mean, they definitely glanced over the fact that like, the reason he didn't, he wasn't at school the year before was he was taking care of his grandfather. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was, 
That was really, I mean, yeah, I guess those two scenes I'd, I'd say are the most iconic. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, but what about with our other couple? What do you think was the iconic scene for Cameron and uh, Bianca? Um, I don't know about iconic, but I love the scene when she, she's kind of schooled him in French. She's clearly a lot better than him at that point in the movie. She's yeah. like, ask me out, what's wrong with you? And he's like thumbing through the book that's been kind of torpedoed and shot by Heath Ledger's character. Uh, I liked that one scene a lot. I thought that was funny. That one's a great one. I also like um, when she kisses him in the car. In the car? Calls, yeah, and he like, he calls her out for the stuff that yes. she does. Cause she's like, before then, She's like really annoying. Yes. Which is actually another, I know, I'm like going back a bit into the immediate reaction, but when I was a teen, like 11, yeah. 12 watching this, I was like, oh my God, I want to be like Bianca. All the guys want to be with her. She's so cute. I want that dress. But watching mm-hmm. it as an adult, I was just like, oh my gosh, Bianca's so annoying. <laughs> She is, yeah. And I actually, I really like that scene in the car, too, because he does this cute little, like, yeah, I'm back in the game now. <laughs> like, yeah. just totally forgives her. But it's, also, it's he stood up to her. Yeah. So I like yeah, that. A guy can only take so much. I mean, she completely ignored him at the, the party scene. Yeah, for the, for that sleazy guy. Yeah, he was, he was terrible. But he was, like, really good at being terrible. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they were, everyone in this cast was, like, doing a really good job of um, making you like or dislike them, depending on the character. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, do you have any final thoughts on iconic scenes? Um, I, I thought that one of the things I was kind of surprised by in the party scene is what the kids were wearing, which didn't really, it seemed to be, like, 90s clothes that your parents give you to wear to like <laughs> church <laughs> like the the popular kids or like all the people in the background i guess that the the like men specifically or the boys specifically were all wearing like weird big white sport coats or like tan oh, sport coats that. which i didn't really think was in i think joseph gordon levitt's character and like the the like cool Michael. guy the model oh, and um Heath, i don't know if Heath ledger's character might have been wearing one too but they it was a frequent thing in the mo- in the <laughs> amongst the young men you're right i definitely remember joseph gordon levitt wearing like a like a jacket or something no tie yeah i mean i wasn't partying when i was nine years old like that but um Mary, we're the same age, so I don't. I don't think you were either. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really go to any parties in the early two thousands. Was Ricky, I going to parties? I think, I think I you mean, were more of a party like a, boy then. Do, do you remember parties being like that? Um, outside the outfits, I mean, like it was kind of insane how they just like crashed this kid's house. Oh my god, I know. I the best little touch that there were so many good little touches in this movie when he was like, "Oh, this must be Nigel with the brie," and there's whole crowd like stampedes in but you do see Nigel with a brie at the very front of it <laughs> like in a sweater vest or something with a little plate of cheese I did not as again as an adult I had much less sympathy for the guy whose house that was just because he was like so snooty and I'm like oh, yeah. MBA interest club what <laughs> so my sister actually met that guy he oh, like really? he's a comedian and motivational speaker so he toured her college yeah and I don't know what he had to say about playing Bogey Lowenstein. Like, I asked her for this podcast, and she was like, ah, I don't really remember what he had to say. But 
to me, one of the kind of unrealistic thing, if those flyers were everywhere, he would have known, like, this <laughs> like, how did you not, how did the NBA's, like, not get a hold of one of those yellow flyers? Well, I think, while we were watching, Ricky made a comment about the party and, um, like, where his parents were. You want to tell oh, yeah, us more definitely about, like, your thoughts as a former party boy? I think you, you've definitely been to more high school house parties than we have. What were your thoughts? Been to, like, zero. I've been to more yeah. high school house parties than you guys have. You've been to, like, zero. Right. I've been to, like, pasta parties for cross-country. That's about it. Yeah, we just had a party for the swim team, which <laughs> the swim teams were, like, known for being... We, they, they weren't drinkers because, you know, they're athletes. Too. Well, I guess athletes drink, but it was more like, the, <laughs> rather than doing substances, it was more like sexual stuff. Okay, so Ricky, as someone who went to high school <laughs> in, the, in the early two, the early to later 2000s, how accurate was this house party? I, I never went to a house party like that when I was in high school, and I didn't hear too many either. So, you know, I think that they, like, movies obviously embellish it to, uh, make it cooler than real life this way people yeah. will want to watch it right yeah there i mean there was a dj for crying out loud like i definitely didn't go to a party with a dj yeah he just showed up and set up straight away and started playing <laughs> music and everybody started dancing wait DJs? Oh, can so we also talk about the fact that they had a live band at their prom Oh yeah, that's like every high school movie from what? the nineties. Yeah, that's like that's every like Olsen twin movie. That's every. I mean, um, did you ever see Wish Upon a Star? Like, did you ever see a Disney movie Wish Upon a Star? There was a band no. that was like, they were they showed up at the same thing. Like they showed up at the prom or whatever. The I'm also dance. very curious what Patrick's source was that got that got um. He said, I've called in a favor. Yeah, to get Kat's favorite band to sing at the prom. I don't know. Maybe he ate a duck for them. I, I mean, he did, he did a lot That's of, like, there the were a lot of weird, there were a lot of weird rumors about him. But, you know, one thing I did think, like, if there was someone at your high school who looked like Heath Ledger looked in this movie, like, people would not care. Like, rumors be darned. <laughs> they would yeah. try, to, try to date this guy. <laughs> like, him as an outsider, it's about as believable as, like, Drew Barrymore being this, you know, high schooler who's never right. been Okay, you look like Drew Barrymore, but there's a little bit of suspension of, you know, this yeah, that's true. It's that that's really that's definitely that's probably the thing that was the most fiction is that he was yeah. considered an that he yes. and like, Yeah, and like Kat, like no one wanting to date her, like please. Yeah. Um, so anyway, also like, why don't we start why don't we um start talking about the characters? I think um, you know, those unless does anyone have any final thoughts on like scenes? No. So let's no, let's I think, talk I characters. Think characters or music would be good. Yeah, um, I mean, Mary, did you, in your research, did you, what, did you um, come up with anything about the cast or? Yeah, yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I think part of what makes this movie work so well is that the cast really bonded. They all said it was like the best summer of their lives. They hung out a ton outside of work. They filmed on location in Washington. And something kind of funny was that they started filming for about a week before Heath Ledger came from Australia. I think he was shooting at like a soap opera or something in Australia. So they're kind of worried like, oh, how is he going to fit into this click? And it was very similar to kind of mirrored the movie where he was this outsider. And then they all loved him, of course, and kind of became like the leader of the crew. But something funny with casting was that a lot of people tried out for each other's parts. Oh. So this is, yeah. So like Julia Stiles wanted to be Bianca and Bianca tried out for Kat, which like. Wait, I don't think that would not have worked. 
Yeah, and I think Julia Stiles could probably be Bianca, but I, I feel like she's so much better as Kat. She's always, like, these characters with a little bit of bite. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Bianca, I think she thought Kat was, it's probably a bigger role. Like, it just seems like a better role if you're an actress. And they were like, no, you're Bianca. Yeah. I actually always think of her more so as Bianca than, like, um, Alex Mack, which is the other role she was known for. She was called Alex Mack. But, and then the two, like, kind of nerdy guys, Cameron and Michael, they tried out for each other's roles. Like, Michael, yeah, Michael, the AV guy, wanted to be Cameron, but the director had worked with him before, and they were like, you know, you you can play neurotic Jew in your sleep, like, this is part is for you. And uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt thought his part, Michael's part was funny, so he tried out for that. They said, no, you're a camera. Wait, can we, can we quickly, I just want to cut in here and, like, talk about how cute Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks. He's adorable. Oh, my gosh. He's, like, a shrunken down version of Joseph Gordon-Levitt in, like, Inception or, you know, one of his Yeah. I mean, he does these, like, really serious in, like, Batman um, and Dark Knight, the third Batman movie. He's like, or Dark Knight Rises. He's like this really, he's really good at showing this like optimistic, like younger adult. Like he's not a kid anymore, but you can definitely see like the darkness behind his eyes. Yes, yes. And then so you see it. That 50-50 movie, kind of a similar thing. Yeah. And like 500 Days of Summer, like he really gets you to feel bad for him. Like he's. Yeah. He's a really talented actor. I like him a lot. But he's not, I don't think, like, compared to Heath Ledger, who's, you know, probably, like, six feet tall and broad. Like, he's not what you think of as, like, a typical movie star, like, look. Like, I think Heath Ledger is probably more conventionally attractive. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, like, adorable in this movie. He's so cute. And he, I don't know, I, I actually, Ricky, you made a comment about how the, about the actors, um, actually looking like high schoolers yeah they all look really young to me maybe that's just because the movie's older and they were um in their early 20s or i think yeah. some of them were even late teens yeah um, i feel like that is a problem is they often look too old for high school but i thought that they all looked like they could have been in high school in this movie maybe that's just because yeah. i'm getting older though <laughs> no i agree with you especially cameron and bianca i thought they yeah. looked younger than the rest of the cast um actually you know who was the oldest in this movie you would never guess it but she looks great and she was also in bring it on gabrielle union she was like 29 oh, you're kidding yeah no you she was like, like what yeah she was yeah she said when she was filming she was like okay like don't mention like any old bands or i'm gonna out myself like she was like 10 years older than everyone else wow i mean she aged so well she never aged <laughs> she does not age yeah yeah, and she's she so looks great. good at being that. Yeah, she's, like she... playing, she's playing a sophomore. She's playing one of the younger characters. Yeah, too. she's not even playing a senior. Yeah, what a thankless role, though. Oh my gosh, she just ends up being a bad friend at the end. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great cast, I think. It is. So, I mean, the only person who, could, who the only person who I feel like I don't see much nowadays is um, Bianca, the actress who plays Bianca. Yeah, I don't think she had quite the career the others did. Um, and maybe the Shakespeare girl, too. I feel like she kind of flamed out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what Bianca's doing now. Um, one thing that came up in the research was that she did end up going to Sarah Lawrence, which is the college Kat's character got into. Oh, really? Yeah, so I don't know if that was what the timeline was there. Or if she, oh, know, that's really cute. Sometimes yeah. I do feel like a big reason, and this is like an awful 
thing in like Hollywood is a big reason actresses won't get roles is because they're like, oh, well, there's this other actress that also looks like you. Like there's like, they yeah. just, there's too common of a look and that's, there's- That's a very good point. And I feel like there were, she did have that like common 90s rom-com girl look that so that she just like had a lot of competition versus like Julia Stiles has a very unique face. She does. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think in general, my dad always says this, like Hollywood is like a cable car, right? Like it's always the kind of the same few people in the same movies. And it's like this rotating cast of characters. It's probably very hard to get on. Yeah. Um, once you once you break in, you're in a lot of movies. You're, you know, yeah. in more movies. So it's sort of like this cycle. Uh, I mean, no, if I was an actress and I was only known for one or two things and yeah. one of them was 10 things I hate about you, I'd say that's a successful career. For sure. That's, a, I mean, that's a very memorable movie. And if you even have one of those, it's like not something probably most actors even get. Yeah. Um, so I have some like very direct questions towards, well, I guess, well, for everyone to answer, we can do okay. quick. Mary, would you be friends with the female lead? In this case, it's two female leads. Cat, yes. would you be friends with Cat? Okay. And what uh, about, would Kat, you be friends? Cat, yes. What about Bianca? Cat, yes. I feel like Cat. I mean, even though she's very like anti-establishment, there, she's there's a lot of kind of cool girl things about. Like she's very like of a certain time, like Riot Girl, Pacific Northwest, kind of. You know, she's like learning how to play guitar. Like Cat is very cool. If you watch this movie now, you're like, she's great. Um, Kat, yes. Bianca, no, I don't know. I mean, like you said, she was too unlikable in the first half of the movie and just presented as very vapid, so I don't know if she'd be, like, a great friend. She'd probably be, like, a great, um, girlfriend. Like, it seems like she and Cameron have, like, a really sweet relationship at the end, but is she a great friend? I don't know. She and that Gabrielle Union character, it did not, it did not seem like smooth sailing. No pun intended. I, I kind of always say that you can kind of judge people also based on who they surround themselves with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like a red flag for me, if I was like just meet Bianca in high school, is like, oh, why is she hanging out with this girl who just like ditches her for guys, and then I don't know. Yeah, I agree. She just seemed very shallow. I mean, all the things that Cameron told her in the car, selfish and shallow. Right. What about so, you? Oh, cat, absolutely. I'll definitely be friends with Kat. Um, I think maybe like when I was in high school, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much, to be honest. Um, I care too much about like being liked, but now. Right. She's like, she doesn't care about being liked. She's like not going to prom. She's listening to, I don't give a, about my reputation when everyone else is listening to bare naked ladies. Yeah. <laughs> But I, it definitely now and definitely in college, even maybe if I, when I was a senior in high school, I started letting go a bit about caring what other people liked. Um, I think also she's very empowering for women. Like, um, I can see how a friendship with her can be frustrating because her friend, um, what was her friend's name, Manila, Mandela? Mandela, yeah. Yeah, she, like, wanted to go to prom, and Kat was, yes. like, doing it to her, and it's, like, I can see how she can be a difficult friend sometimes, but overall, like, her intentions are good. Yes. Um, and she's, you know, a good role model and cares about her education, not about she getting cares about a boyfriend. her sister. I mean, she w really wasn't going to go to that party or that prom, and then she thinks about Bianca wanting to go, and she kind of offers it up. I think she's a good sister. 
What about you, I Ricky? think so, too. And that's something also Bianca doesn't appreciate enough. Like, she yells at her for, like, she ignores her at the party. And then she's like, excuse me, don't, don't acknowledge me in public. I think she's actually a little embarrassed of her at the party because of that crazy dancing. Like, but then that something made her more likable. I don't know. I'm plus, I don't know if I'm out on the dancing. Um, apparently it was what gave her the role in, have you guys seen Save the Last Dance? Oh, yes. Like, the director or whoever was casting that saw that and was like, oh, we've got a caster. And I was like, really? I, <laughs> I like that dancing. dancing. I thought it was pretty cool. And it, if, I think what happened was Bianca got jealous because then suddenly, like, Kat's the life of the party. Right. The funny and thing was she not never... Bianca anymore. That actress she was definitely like teased for doing that, right? Like, oh, yeah, like because, like, when she went yes. to school the next day, people could have said, like, oh, that was awesome, you were having so much fun, but instead of that, she was definitely che- yeah. teased by the like popular model, yeah, that's guy. true, yeah, that's true. She kind of got raked over the coals for it, and they also sort of set it up with her like taking shots out of um, anger, right? So I think right. that it was supposed to be a... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, yeah. So that actress, Julia Stiles, she was like 17, 19, she, whatever age she was, she was too young. She'd never been drunk before. So she oh. had to ask Keith Ledger, what, what do people act like when they're drunk? She truly did not know. Wait, that's adorable. Yeah, she's, you know, she's like a teenager. But she's actually a teenager. I, even if that dancing like wasn't, like she got teased for it. I, I can see why the director of Save the Last Dance could saw like saw like potential in there. Cause she I mean sure. the way she moves is very like fluid. Yeah, that wasn't like a real drunk dance scene, right? Like drunk dancing doesn't look like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Fair> that's <laughs> yeah. Except the part where she hits her head. That's a that's a drunk dance move. When you hit your so head. Do we want Ricky to weigh in on being friends with Yeah, so would you be, one, would you be friends with either or both of the female leads and or would you date either of the female okay, leads? Okay, yeah, good call. Um, we can start with Bianca. Would you be friends with Bianca? Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty agreeable. I think I could probably be like... Uh, acquaintance friends like classroom friends with either of them so sure because prom's like you know a big one but like school dance just like any school dance would you have asked bianca out yeah i think 17 year old me would be really happy to go on a date with either of them for sure maybe uh, maybe <laughs> things change as you get older but, but i'm assuming that i'm dating the teenager as a teenager yeah Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if, if I had a good uh, interactions with either of them, I don't think that either of them were, uh, I mean, so, so they, they portray um, Kat as though she has a hard time interacting with people, so. Yeah. Um, may, maybe if, maybe it wouldn't work out. Um, and, and I don't really see myself being as, persistent as Heath Ledger's character who um, is okay with being insulted and continuously <laughs> pursuing. So maybe maybe I wouldn't go out with Kat, actually. Just describe the basis of a lot of rom- rom-com relationships, how they start out. Is the more um, unrealistic, which is the persistence. 
while being uh, made fun of a lot. Yes. Um, Okay, so what about the male leads? What about um, Cameron? Would you date Cameron? Oh, like 110%, yes. Cameron's (laughs) Cameron's so sweet, and like, I don't know, I don't know that many guys, maybe in high school, but I don't know that many guys that would just try that hard to, you know, go out with like one girl. Like, he really, I mean, if you think about it, they go to a lot of effort for two high schoolers. I don't really know what Michael's getting out of this, but the two of them, like, going up to, you know, Patrick, even though he's really scary in the shop, setting up this whole thing where he, you know, Joey pays Patrick, like, it's very elaborate. Like, I, I mean, anyone who's going to go to that length, like, she's got to go on a date with him. So um, cute. Wait, it seems really cute. Not, he calls her out on things. Like, he seems like a, he'd be a good boyfriend. I'm actually, like, very curious to hear what you guys think of the 300, ultimately it was $300 to pay that, that, I guess Cameron got Joey so, to pay. I like so the poetic I remember justice. I a lot like, larger sum of money. Well, I, I like that he uses it for the guitar. Oh, that's true. It. But I'm so just saying, like, like, nice... do you think that now in today's current, like in today's currency, I guess maybe I'm thinking of $300 like today, and then they made Cat out to be like this really scary I, yeah. person. It's I mean, like, it's I feel like I'm going that... for a lot more. Yeah, it's, 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 well, she's a terrible person, but also she's Julia Stiles. Like, it stands credibility that absolutely no one would want to take her on a date. But I think the, the money was kind of, like, it was, like, monopoly. It was sort of ridiculous. Like, there's a line where Patrick's like, yeah, I'm going to take her to the movie. That's $15. And then, you know, we get popcorn. That's $50. Like, what? You know, like, there's some things he says that just doesn't add up. Yeah. It's, it just felt like such a small sum of money for such... Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take rest from it. It's just when you were mentioning. No, that. yeah. I mean, I I love the whole plan when... that Joseph Gordon-Levitt came up with to date this girl. It was very cute. Yeah, I love the moment where they he's like uh, Joey says to Patrick, "Okay, like I expect results." And then he's once he see as soon as he sees how desperate Joey is, he's like, "I just upped my price." Like he's gotten zero results. He's already upping the price. Like it's pretty good. It's really, and you know, the interesting thing about Cameron too is sometimes in rom-coms, like the male leads like him do stuff that I'm like, oh, if the girl wasn't interested, if he wasn't this cute, it'd be dumb on creepy. He doesn't do any Cameron of- does not come even yeah. close to like creepy. Tutors he just- her, gives her a ride home. Like, he's, he's and, he, and he's honest with her. He tells her like, I'd like to take you out for maybe like French food and maybe your dad will allow it. Like he's very open with her. Yeah. Um, so are you saying you would date Cameron too? Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm thinking like with 17 year old or 16 year old, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking about the guys that I was interested in and yeah. <laughs> right, I, mean, I, guess, I guess it's like Ricky said, we have to go back to 17 year old ourselves, 16 year old ourselves. And yeah, like, I Cameron, mean, I didn't, there weren't a lot of great pickings. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you, we both date Cameron. He's, what about, what about Patrick? Um, I feel like I would have a crush on Patrick, but I would be scared to date him. (laughs) So that scene, um, remember the scene where the guy, where, um, I think it was Cameron and Michael are like looking, like looking at him from the chemistry or like from, from, and then he like, looks at him and plays with the flame yes so apparently Heath Ledger at that that's an improv oh really 
Yeah. I feel like that that's very true to high school. There's always someone who's, like, being stupid. Yeah. And I feel like there were people at my high school that were, like, looked like Heath Ledger and acted the way that his peers perceived him. I don't know if there's anyone that was as good as he intrinsically was. Yeah. But at least on the, the his surface character, he definitely were. Um, so you'd have a crush on him, but maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, we didn't even really have, like, a Patrick Verona. Like, my high school was very small. As I said, mostly women. And, um, you know, we had uniforms. Like, you couldn't really be that much of an outsider even if you wanted to. Um, I think the hair, the hair had to be, like, collar length. Like, you couldn't have had the, the Heath Ledger hair. I mean, what is going on with his hair in this movie? The fact that he's still attractive is, like, right? no small feet. Yeah, the he and Julia Stiles have, like, some rough curls. Yeah, I mean, I love Julia Stiles' hair. Um, I'm growing my hair out now, which is, like, a battle on its own. And yeah. I was thinking about chopping it all off. And then when I saw Julia Stiles' hair, I was like, no, I must persist. Her hair is so long in this movie. It's so... But Heath Ledger's hair, it does, like, have that greasy look to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she does, like, the middle part, which I feel like is very 90s. Like, if I did the middle part, I'd look like a handsome brother. But it looks, <laughs> but it looks good on her. Um, I, I mean, I would, not gonna lie, I don't know if high school Helia would have dated Pat, not because out of want, but because, like, I, realistically, he would never have looked at high school. I was just, like, way too nerdy. Well, I mean, this, like, is, this is, this is if you had the chance to date them. If I had a chance to? Yeah. I'd be too scared to introduce him to my dad. I'd be way yeah. too scared to introduce him to my dad. Yeah, and I think I think they kind of get at this in the movie. Like he he says to Julia Stiles, "Oh, you're not afraid of me," and she's like, "No." So they really are a good match, even though this all started from you know the um, plot mechanics of yeah him being paid. But what I will say is, if I met Patrick Renner in college, and not even like a senior in college, but like a freshman in college. Yeah, I would date him because at that point I have to I don't have to worry about my dad meeting him. You were kind of rebelling at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, yeah, he was definitely he was definitely young Helia's type. Okay. Very much he's, so. He's supposed to be everyone's type. I mean, one of the stories that came up in casting was like he was just the easiest person to cast because I think 35 seconds in, they were like, yes, like, he is our Patrick, and he probably thought he did terrible, because normally when they end an audition after 35 seconds, it's like, oh, no, like, I'm not getting this part, but the director who, um, I think his name is Gil, is a guy, he was like, this is the first man I've ever wanted to sleep with, like, he really <laughs> thought he had this magnetic um, quality, and it kind of makes sense that he did end up becoming this big movie star, you know, Oscar-nominated, Oscar-awarded, um, posthumously, like, he, he, he's really talented, and he definitely has, like, the movie star look. And this is, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see him so early in his career, because even though he's done so much, I probably do think of this movie first when I think of Heath Ledger. It was a little heartbreaking for me yeah. to see him, because, like, I mean, I remember riding the car. This is before, like, we had our smartphones. Right. Or I didn't have a smartphone, at least. I remember I was driving the car. I had the radio on. And actually, my sister was in the back seat. Um, she was a kid, and the radio came on, and they announced that they just got news that Heath Ledger, Ledger was found dead. And I freaked out. I, like, pulled, when I pulled over, like, in the parking lot where we were going, I called my, my high school friend, and I was just like, I just heard this news, and she goes, like, you're kidding, and she went online and found it, and 
it was just like really heartbreaking. A lot of people were in denial about it. Um, we didn't have, you know, the sources that we have, resources we have now. And it was, I mean, you're right. Seeing like the, his act, I mean, he, his, his acting future um, that we, that we miss out on. I mean, it was not even 10 years after this movie. He was like 28 or something. It was, he was young. He was 28 or 29. Yeah, that's incredibly, incredibly sad. It's, it's tragic. And it's, you know, the thing about um, art in the form of acting is it's, they're giving us them as a person for yes. us to enjoy art. Yes. And it makes it very beautiful in the sense like it's limited. It's not a endless source because of the nature of the human life. It eventually mm -hmm. passes, um, whether the actor dies of old age or of a drug overdose or suicide. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, you know, I don't, it's just I don't one of those things that I feel like we don't talk enough about with actors and it's like how much it takes from them and sometimes it's like too much and I mean he had mental health issues um yeah yeah I mean I think that the Joker was probably an incredibly demanding role but something that I always think about is it's like amazing how much casting really matters because I don't think this movie is as good with a different Patrick apparently Ashton Kutcher tried out oh, no, it would not have been as good <laughs> would have been a different movie and it not you know not for the better um like even that whole serenade scene like it works because Keith Ledger is so charming and he has this like Cheshire cat grin like just everything about it works because he's what he brings to the part I would say yeah um I, I just with thinking about like the heart you know knowing that he is no longer with us and we won't get new stuff from him it just it does I try and appreciate the things that he did give the world before yes before he's no longer part of it um yes so i mean he he i would i would definitely put him in the in the arena with artists he was an artist um ricky how would you have been friends with um would you have been friends with cameron the sophomore yeah it seems like cameron uh based on his friendship with Mike uh, would him and I would have gotten along pretty well Cam Cameron seemed to be pretty cool too um, yeah. and what's Patrick really uh, the scene that really impressed me with Patrick or left an impression on me is when uh, Cameron and Mike were looking for him and he's in a pool hall drinking beer, which like eighteen-year-old <laughs> kids like. How'd you get in here? Yeah, that's that's insane. They're in high school. It kind of like made me think of uh, that's something I'd expect like my dad's generation, something to happen in like the seventies or the sixties or something. Not something that would happen like in the early two thousands. Um, yeah, so I feel like kids who would like have fake IDs in high school and hanging out in pool halls, drinking beer, like, casually. <laughs> We're just, like, really tough kids, you know? Yes. Um, so maybe I wouldn't have uh, been best friends with uh, Heath Ledger's character, Patrick. But uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, they present him as like a soul you know artist. Him. He does have he does have friends. I mean, he does have that, you know, the guy with the spiky hair that he's like kind of next to in every scene. Like he has a couple that, of that never talks. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think earlier you alluded to this, Mary, about how like he's actually really good guy inside. He tells yes. toxic or talks Cameron up um and you know he doesn't like Joey um but then at the same time when Cameron first approached him he, he drilled a hole into his French textbook yeah so it's like I wonder like I wonder why he does that like if he's such a good guy like he takes care of his grandfather yeah I mean, one thing um, I have, we haven't even brought up yet, I love that they had him keep his Australian accent. I think it makes him much more charming. And I think the director, it was a conscious choice because they said it kind of makes him seem more dangerous and like, you know, other, because he's supposed to be sort of different from all the other kids. But it's, it's great. I mean, the accent just works in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad that, I'm glad that they did that as well. I can't imagine it without the accent. Yeah. Should we talk about, um, what do you want to talk about next? So I, the last bit about with the characters um, before we move on is I'd like to know what, who you think are the unsung heroes in this. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, have, I have one to start. Okay. So Please. I think it's the kid, what's his name, Bogey Lowenstein? Yes. I think he's an unsung hero because you always remember his name, even though I like, couldn't remember how to pronounce his last name, but everyone's like, like, you know, you, yes. I didn't remember Michael's name, honestly, <laughs> but you know Bogey's you remember name. His character, but it's harder to remember his name. Yeah, you remember his, but like, I, I think mean, he's, a, like he's an unsung hero. Yeah. Like, he's the one that he, he, he didn't call the police on these kids. He couldn't call the police. Yeah, I, it's so great when he's like, please take it outside, and they just break through the glass. Thank you. <laughs> He's, you know, I mean, he's this poor nerdy kid, and honestly, I thought he was snooty and annoying, but, like, <laughs> he didn't call the cops on the party, and, like, yeah, that's a good call. Called, his name's Bogey. Honestly, as nerdy and snooty as he was, if he invited me to one of his Brie cheese party, hell yes, I'd come. Yeah, I would, too. I'm, I'm there. Brie, I'm there. Um, I think I have an unsung hero. I, okay, I really liked Kat's, uh, like, English literature language arts teacher. I thought he was great. Yes. He didn't, he didn't have a ton to do, but whenever he did, I loved it. I loved when he kind of called out the Joey Donner character. Like, how was everyone's weekend? Unless she got, unless, uh, you know, she got bitch left by you. I don't want to hear about it. She bitch left you. I don't want to hear about it. And he just immediately like shuts him down. Like, I think there are some teachers that are very good at like shutting down kids like that in that way. And even when she kind of always debates him on the assignments, and he's like, oh, like, growing up as this upper middle class white girl must have been tough. Like, I think it's just really funny. He puts them in a, their place, and it, it doesn't really come from a place of, like, being mean. Like, you can tell he's still a good uh, teacher. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite characters, for sure. And I love how he, like, wraps a Shakespeare quote. Yeah, and it works. He does a good job. It's wonderful, yeah. And I mean, I haven't seen him in anything since then either, but I thought his, I mean, his character is great. And you're right, he does kind of, I'm glad he brought up that he, he points out, like, the white upper class. Like, it's this very awareness of the situation, right? Yeah, and I think there's some things like that that you, you're not necessarily aware of when you're in high school, but your teachers absolutely are. Yeah, and his, um, and then 
And then, of course, without his character, we wouldn't have that theme of Kat constantly having to leave the lit class. Right. <laughs> like, he kicks her out twice, and then the and there's last actually, one, there's she There's a leaves. small moment. There's a small moment. It might be Heath Ledger's first introduction outside of when he's, you know, called in by the guidance counselor and kind of scolded at for the, the prank he did. But then he kind of comes into the class. He's like, did I miss anything? And she's like, you know, only the, like, centuries-long oppression of the female gender. So she has a very long answer. And he's like, great. And he just leaves again. <laughs> the teacher's like, what? <laughs> like, I, so, so many small moments in this movie that are just really great on rewatch. Um, and we're definitely going to talk a bit about, like, how this movie stood the test of time. But I think yes. these are definitely important ways that, um, I mean, yeah, there's it, no, it was there's no character that's, like, just wallpaper and bland. Like, every yeah. character has, brings us something, which is not. Other, other unsung heroes. Ricky, how about you? What unsung heroes do you have? Um, I don't know if one song is right, but I think Mike deserves a lot of credit for really showing Cameron the ropes. And then um, Mike also um, makes a really sweet move to like do something romantic for the girl yeah. at the end. So yeah, I don't know that he deserves an unsung hero, but I think that he's like a well-intentioned night, uh, like a good guy. It seems like. Agreed. Yeah. Actor too. I remember where I really remember him is in the Santa Claus. I was gonna say it was a Christmas. Yeah, me too. And it's like it's so funny. Whatever he's in, he's like always. He could be eighteen or he could be thirty. Like it's so hard to tell. But yeah, he was Bernard in the Santa Claus. Oh, Bernard, that was the name. I remember his hair. But yeah, he's um he's a great character too. It's so funny. He is. He's a he's a great actor. And I mean, he lets a. I guess he lets Joey draw penis on his face on behalf of his That came hand. up in the trivia, too. Apparently that actor, the Joey actor, he did not know how to draw one. So Michael what? had to show him. Yeah. That's a little bit. Yeah, it's like, what? Like, Joey, you have one. <laughs> it's a little bit strange. Like, how, do you, how do you not know how to draw a penis? I think it's probably not that he didn't know, but he didn't know how to approach it. And it does seem like he does it in this very measured way where you're not, you don't know until the reveal. Yeah, I guess it's he funny. wanted to, He's like, I have this on my face, don't I? I guess he wanted, he wanted to make sure he drew it in a way that you knew what it was. Yeah, I mean, he probably just wasn't the most confident artist. And the way that got translated to on IMDb trivia is like, <laughs> you had to teach him how to draw one. <laughs> that's really funny. But that's, I mean, that's, would you have ever let someone draw a penis on your face on behalf of a friend? I actually thought that part was like a little bit uh, strange that he just let him do that. But I guess you're yeah, right. By sticking it through and letting him finish, he was able to have a conversation with the bully rather than just getting a fight. Right. And I mean, remember, this is not, he's not getting really anything out of it. This is for Cameron to ultimately date Bianca. Like, yes, he says this thing of like, oh, you can say hi to me in the hall. But it's really about getting Bianca to date. Can we can we talk about how much that made Joey like Joey's like yeah what do you get out of this oh you just want a nod from me okay cool yeah that I he's like it. oh I can totally, totally believe it my favorite part of that scene is when he's like is that a peach fruit roll up because you don't see too many of them. <laughs> so like weird um, so the next question I have if we can move uh -huh. away from characters do you guys have any final statement on characters I don't. Oh, you know who we didn't talk about is the dad. Oh my God. So he comes up when we think about favorite lines. He has a lot of my favorite lines. 
But the dad in this is so great. That's a good point. He's not really a minor character. I think he has a, a good number of scenes, but I love his relationship with both of the daughters. And yes. just his, his lines are so funny. I don't know. Do we want to talk about lines separately? Um, no, I mean, we can, we can talk about, um, we can talk about we, I mean, you can also include him in your favorite moment, you know. Yeah, I would say he's in a lot of my favorite, just when I laughed the most, a lot of it was the dad. When they're trying to go to the party and he makes Bianca wear the belly. Oh my, Uh wait, but Bianca also, like, when he says you have to, you have to wear the belly and get, and Gabrielle Union's character gasps, like, (gasps) Like, I yeah. think as, as a viewer, we're not supposed to know what the belly is, and you just, you get like, oh, and then Bianca yeah, just like he's, stands there he's with He's done this to her out. before. He's done yeah. it to her before. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was really funny, and just the part when she's like, it's just a party, daddy, and he's like, and hell is just a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a really good line. I'm curious how much he ad-libbed. Yeah, I mean, he is a very funny actor. Like, I, he's a character actor. I've seen him in a lot. Of, he was in Princess Diaries a lot of other movies around that time and I don't know it's a good question how much of it was improv I think probably they had really good source material I think they had a really good script um, yeah and I, and I also like that he wasn't necessarily a villain because then he he no, pays for Kat to he, go to Sarah he was Lawrence for her to go. He, he just had a trouble you know letting her go far away he wanted her to stay close to home and I think that comes from a place of love it doesn't come from a place of yeah her back and not wanting her to go to sarah lawrence because he ultimately was fine with they her. also never talk about like they just again glance over the fact that the girls mother left them yeah i was gonna say if we talk about like lingering questions that probably would be one of mine because at first i was like okay she died and then they're saying oh she's not coming back to claim the pearls and like when mom left i i slept with joey like they have a few lines where it's like, oh, she just left. Like, she just left the family and was never coming back. And they so, just, like, don't yeah, talk they didn't about really, it. Yeah, I mean, I guess they keep they keep the movie to, like, a tight 90 minutes, which I always appreciate in a rom-com. But at the same time, you know, it comes at the expense of probably not yeah. watching things out more, including the mom. Uh, Some people might say that he's, like, being overly controlling of his daughter, but, like, yes. people might be more sympathetic since he's a single dad. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he, like, if the girls were pretty young or, you know, younger when the mom left, he really did the bulk of raising them. Mm-hmm. And uh, couldn't have been easy as an OBGYN who always seems to be on call. Um, and he makes and I think that's, like, that's like a trope. Elbow that's actually, placenta. Yeah, that's actually a trope, the dad being an OBGYN, because I think the dad is an OBGYN and told the boys I've loved before. Like, that's the common, because yeah. it's like, oh, how funny is this? It's like, he's around women all day, but he doesn't understand the women in his own home. Like, that's, it's, I feel like that's always a thing. All right, um, okay, OBGYNs don't necessarily understand women, men or women OBGYNs. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I love my um, friends that are OBGYNs, but generally, like, I, they're not the most personable. Yeah. He's so funny, though. As like, I think them making an, him an OBGYN was a good choice because he has a lot of funny lines kind of in relation to that. I think it, it's also funny when, um, when he, he tells Bianca and Kat, like, when I delivered a baby to a 15-year-old, do you know what she said to me? I'm a crack whore. should have made my skeezy boyfriend wear a condom. Yeah. <laughs> Close, but no. <laughs> I should have listened to my father. She did not. Well, that's what she would have said if she hadn't been so doped up. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good part. That's a great line. He's so uh, good at this. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, so the next question I asked, if we can move on from characters, is this is probably the hardest one that I don't expect many of our movies to pass, which is the Bechdel test. Yes, good question. Do we have a scene where two women talked and did not talk about men? Right, so for those of our viewers listening to um, pass this test, you have to have exactly that, like at least one scene where you have two female characters talk about something unrelated to any male characters, any men. Um, so surprisingly, this movie does pass it. I mean, the sisters talk about the mom in that one scene. Oh, with uh, the Julia Stiles. Yes, Julia Stiles and Mandela talk about the prom. Um, so it does actually in a couple scenes, but I don't expect a lot of rom-coms to, I agree. Yeah. That's true. That's actually nice. I like that that they talked, they had the scene where, albeit short, they did talk about it is short. their mom. I think yeah. that's a really important scene for two sisters to have, especially because they, as different as they are, they had this like unifying, frankly, traumatic experience. Yes, yes. And I kind um, of, I do like the backstory of like, Cat used to be popular and she got peer pressured into doing something she didn't want to do and it sounds like she almost used to be more like Bianca and then she was like yeah. no like I, I'm gonna do what I want not care what anyone thinks and that's something that I think most people don't you know have the um, confidence to realize in high school high school is all about caring so much what people think and worrying about yeah. like being accepted being embarrassed so Especially she's kind of after of- you've already had sex the one time it's kind of easy to be like okay I guess I'll just keep doing it until I like it I guess yeah, she was absolutely. She was absolutely like, I'm going to be who I want to be, and I'm not going to worry about what people think. And her, you know, to her sister, that seems crazy, but she's actually probably, you know, the most evolved for a high school student. Um, yeah. Of movie. Um, something about the pearls too. You know, they had the conversation about their mom's pearls. Bianca's wearing it, yeah. and um, but then I don't know if you got, you guys noticed, but in the prom at prom, Cat's wearing the pearls. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so she's wearing the pearl, so I thought that was like a nice touch. It is a nice touch, and not something I probably most viewers, I didn't notice that, but that's interesting that you caught that. I don't know, they don't say it's the mom's pearls, but there's, I don't know how many, she's wearing pearls, so um, I thought that was real cute. That is. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think by the nature of rom-coms, I don't anticipate many of our movies to pass this test, but I will say that I think part of romance isn't necessarily with, like, of course, there's, like, the romance of, like, a relationship of a significant other, right. but you can also have, like, um, there's love between women Yes. in a non-sexual sense. Um, I mean, I, I kind of believe this quote um, from The Happiness Project where she says, um, loneliness is the lack of female companionship. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that I, I, I will not be surprised if some of our favorite and favorite movies and ones that withstand time yes. and can watch on repeat tend to also be the ones that pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair to say. But there's so many movies where like, the whole point of the best friend character is basically just to be a sounding board about the lead's relationship with the male lead. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. We can keep a running tally of how many pass, how many don't. Um, yeah. What do you want to talk about next? So let's talk about the tropes. How uh, 
what tropes did this movie use? What tropes did it start, maybe even? Like, what, where this one was the first? I mean, definitely we had the dance. Big dance scene at the end is such a 90s, probably early 2000s trope. And, like, often having a band there, like, performing live. Like, I think Drive Me Crazy has that. Like, a lot have that. Um, even though it kind of doesn't make sense. Certainly wasn't in our, our budget. Uh, so, and so it's sometimes, funny. like, people having like choreographed dance like too I'm like what like at our prom we did not have people like, doing a choreographed dance no no we uh, had and something about the dance is so if you wait if you let the credits roll they show like bloopers and stuff and something that I feel like broke the magic of cinema but I think is interesting is they have to do those dance scenes without any music playing yeah that's crazy I mean I so feel you can like actually hear so while they're doing the scenes just them like stepping like yeah, that's, that's tough. That would be hard to do. Um, I think a dan big dance at the end of the movie is, a, is one. I think a house party scene is another classic. Oh, for um, sure. High school movies. And it's something that we've seen in a lot of movies, but the one I thought of was Mean Girls, um, when Michael is introducing Cameron to all these different cliques in the school. I thought that um, was interesting. And oh, kind of yeah. true of most you know, big public high schools like that where there are yeah. different. I mean, Clueless, Clueless had the clicks too. Clueless, yeah, that's true. And I like uh, seeing how every movie has its own unique clicks. Like, because this was in right. Seattle, you had the coffee. You had the coffee. Right, you had the, like, yeah, you had the, like, edgy coffee people. And then in <laughs> Clueless, you had, like, you know, people that were kind of only in California um, sort of clicks. Yeah, the, I, those scenes are oh, always And then you had the, the, white, the white guys that thought they were Ross Baratins. Yes, yes. And then, like, mm -hmm. I think Clueless also had, like, the Persians. You need, like, a BMW to be with them or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Very, very so specific. I'm so I feel like that, that, see, that line in Clueless always cracks me up. <laughs> it feels so true. Okay, that, that line kills with Persian audiences. <laughs> um, yeah, those, I feel like those scenes are always enjoyable. Uh, any any tropes we're missing out? Or, 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 uh, well, one thing, this isn't a trope. This is something I actually thought was a trope, well, a lack of, was you always have that um, breakup scene and then they get back together, which I guess, you know, that did happen with Cat and Patrick, right? Yes. They, like, fought, then got back together. But it wasn't, like, extended. It wasn't, like, at the middle. It was, like, it feels like they got in the fight. She said the poem. He bought her the guitar, and it was there. Now it happened very quickly. Yeah, it happened very quickly. But also, um, Bianca and Cameron didn't have it. They were just like they got together at the party. She kissed him, and then they were. And happy I thought it was actually. Good, I thought it was a good choice by filmmakers because it's something that's probably obvious to predict now. But watching it as a as a younger you know kid, you don't. I like that they didn't show him asking her to prom. So you you saw Joey wanting to take her, and she's like, ah, but you don't know. She doesn't exactly say no. And then um, she's like, I really want to go to prom. The only person got asked. You still don't know who asked her. And then Cameron shows up at the door. And uh, after the dad kind of sees them off, Joey shows up too. And I thought that was really funny. And like, I that was really funny. I mean, maybe this was really thick of me, but. For some reason, I didn't expect to see Cameron at the door. No, I, I didn't. I didn't either. Joey. No, I didn't either. On first watch, I mean, you know, she's into Joey by the first two thirds of the movie, and she's kind of like, "Oh, that's so cute," but she also, you know, she doesn't even remember Cameron's name. Like, she's kind of yeah. terrible at first. So, I mean, this is again, we, we kind of shot on Bianca a lot during this, but I will say, like, pretty yeah. quickly in the movie, she she 
grows. So at the by the, she experiences this thing at the party. She sees how annoying Joey is. She realizes what she had she in camera, but up and she punches him like three yeah, times. Yeah, she punches him at prom. But normally, I guess the trope is that all that would happen at prom at the end of the movie. And the thing that I thought was not trope like or different yeah. was that hers hers kind of reached that at the middle. And then we, you know, I thought that was real. That was interesting. And I kind of like that they did that too, because then we're not watching both sisters at the same time get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Um, Like they're on different timelines. And I I kind of enjoy this scene where she and Cameron are going on the sailing date and Kat is, you know, still kind of sad and not doing so great. And they actually invite her to come. Like it's, it's just really sweet. And I, I think something realistic, you know, real sisters after, you know, a fight would maybe do. Yeah, uh, I've seen, I think they cut out, which you see um, during the bloopers, you see the blooper oh, version. Oh, bloopers. Yeah, they're bloopers during the credits, um, oh, if you run the cre- credits, um, yeah. but there's a scene that they cut out, but they show the blooper of it was, um, it's, I guess it's the day after prom or the Monday fall, it's the day where she reads the poem, but before she yes. read it, and she's like yelling at Bianca for participating in the scheme. Oh, interesting. I mean, I can see where they um, would cut it out because you don't need it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like the first scenes to be cut when they're editing down a movie are things that kind of explain the plot that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good choice by them. I mean, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it, it's, and you're right. So they didn't really need, and I don't think we necessarily had to see them make up. Like, they didn't, it could have just been implied, like, her inviting her to come sailing with them and bringing her tea. Like, she knows she's heartbroken. Yeah. Like, yeah. even the way she looks at Kat when Kat runs down the stairs and she, like, her and Patrick make eye contact, like, seeing that yeah. someone they both care about is heartbroken. Um, and maybe that's also one of the things that makes this a quality film, not just a good rom-com, is what's left unsaid. Yeah, very good point. Um, um, so that, that's not so much of a trope, but something I... I noticed that they didn't do that a lot of rom-coms do, um, is Cameron and Bianca's timeline was a little shifted and she didn't, um, you notice more earlier about Joey being annoying. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes sense because I think Kat, nothing against Cameron and Bianca, but I think Kat and Patrick have this more nuanced and complicated relationship. So of course it would take longer for them to kind of- Yeah, I think, Something that what we're left with with Bianca and Cameron's relationship is the good influence that Cameron is on Bianca. Yeah. So we see, usually it's the other way around, right? The girl yeah. brings the guy around and. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of subversive in that way. Yeah. Um, um, so wanna... I'm, I don't think there's any other tropes that. Okay. The father's, a, I mean, you mentioned it before, but the father character is a trope, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In in just about every way possible. <laughs> I, mean, I guess Joey driving like a fancy car. The villain always drives this fancy car. Yeah, and he always has that kind of like vague kind of popular kid music coming out of it. Um, that's another one of my favorite lines by the dad when she um, hits his car and he's like, my insurance does not cover PMS. <laughs> A very very good line. Probably written by a man, but a very a very good line. Yeah, I think um, it's a good line. I know some people have called it sexist, but I'm like, I think it's funny. It's <laughs> I don't funny. think it's sexist. I mean, I guess they're not mutually exclusive, but it's it's funny. Should we move on? I think we're 
Yeah, yeah. So let's, um, I'd like to talk, we've, I mean, we've alluded to this multiple times, but has, does this movie stand the test of time? And do you yeah. think this movie's remakeable? Yeah. Um, from a fashion perspective, no. <laughs> Although yeah. I think like a lot of what's in this movie has come back in trend, like uh, Bianca's little dresses, but like, you know, Kat has a crop top for like almost every freaking outfit she wears. Like, even when she's in her pajamas, I'm like, oh my God, does she really need a crop top to go to bed? Like, this is crazy. Um, and the chunky platform flip-flops, a lot of that really took me back. I think Bianca's I, prom dress, that that's coming back to like the two-part, like two-piece two, prom two dress. Yeah, I did not like her prom. I actually wasn't crazy about either of the prom dresses, if I'm being honest. They seem very like cheap, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, material wasn't great, but um, no, so from, from a fashion perspective, it doesn't hold the test of time. I think in almost every other way it does. Obviously, it's dated. There's things that, you know, wouldn't happen the way that they did, like the flyers, you know, it would be like a, a Facebook event or an email blast or whatever. Um, and there were a few things when I was watching it, I was like, well, this wouldn't happen in 2020. Namely, uh, the whole thing with, you know, with Patrick and the joking around with the guidance counselor. Um, I think a lot of that was kind of risque for lack of a I wish she, a guidance counselor would never be like openly writing a story like that at work right it just, been. Like, she, 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 it didn't feel like she was really trying to hide it yeah true and uh the other thing probably cat flashing the soccer coach that oh, yeah uh and it's kind of just never mentioned again i mean they, they laugh it off kind of when they're on their date but um that, i think definitely I, not with the and appropriately so like not with this me too yeah. And like, could you remake it? I don't, what do you think? I don't think it would be as good. I think this is, I think this is like a really nice, you know, no, modern day. I, 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 I was thinking about that while we were watching it last weekend and it was like, no, this can't be. If they try and remake it, I would like protest remake. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would be, like, be as good. They'd have to do some kind of, like I would, instead of going to watch it, I would like want to go visit a Heath Ledger memorial. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I see a remake. I think it, it'd be hard to improve on this. And that's, you know, a compliment. That's to the film's credit. I do think um, there are a few ways that it was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a female lead that was that level of unlikable at the beginning. Yes. yes. Um, like, I mean, I remember, again, when I was 11 or 12, not so much liking her character as I liked Julia Stiles. Yes. Um, and, but, you know, now it's like, wow, I would still want to be friends with someone like that. And really that teacher kind of calling out about the elite, you know, the upper white middle yeah, the class. students are very privileged, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that, that statement, like, it, it was short. And, like, you can easily, like, you blink it, you, if you get up to refill your popcorn, you miss it. But it mm -hmm. it was very loaded and felt very relevant now. Yeah. Um, so I think in that way, it was definitely ahead. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I guess it was ahead of its time in, in some ways. And then I think also, like, I mean, the whole thing with Joey making a bet with friends to try and, like, pop Bianca's cherry... Oh, good call. That's a trope, too. The bet. That's like, and she's all that. Oh, yeah. The bet's definitely a trope. Yeah. Oh. I'm sure, I mean, we could spend, we could do a whole episode on tropes. Oh, there's so, it's the, I mean, everything. So many. The, the road um, to the rom-coms is paved with tropes, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. 
That's okay. Um, I mean, the part of the charm of these movies is like a lot of them are kind of formulaic. And but yeah, I think that again. in a way that was ahead of its time was the way that him doing that and like Bianca's shock by it was yeah. in a very like that's another level of disgust. Versus yes. in, like she's all that. Like he made this bet and he still ends up with her. Right. Um and then even the way like Heath Ledger didn't kiss Kat when she was drunk. Yeah, that's a, actually another really good point. I mean, going back to what I said about like how he's kind of low-key the nicest person in the movie, there's a lot of really sweet things that he does. And in addition to taking care of her, and she's kind of slighted by it. She's kind of like, ugh, like she's mad at him. You know, I think he's embarrassed. Like, him with the fire of a thousand suns. Yeah, it's embarrassing. And she already did embarrass herself. And I, I think that was why, maybe it was Michael, but somebody tells Heath Ledger like, you need to embarrass yourself because she embarrassed herself. Yeah. And the great, you know, serenade scene. You know, so. you know what they remind me of? Actually, now that I, now that you say that, it's very similar to, and this isn't, we're not going to talk about this movie because it's not a rom-com, but it is a romance, is a Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> oh! Yeah, like you have, because she, she has a lot of pride. Yes. So, you know, I mean, so does Mr. Darcy, but I think yeah, she's maybe, got, she's got some Elizabeth Bennett-like qualities. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's very, I don't know who came first, um, the shrew or Elizabeth Bennet from Shakespeare, I mean, but at least maybe the writers, like, had had thought of Elizabeth Bennet, I don't know, but I like that that sort of character, I think, is um, appreciated more in dramas than comedies. Yeah. Um, So in that way, I I did feel like her character was a bit ahead. especially now in this, like, Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, and then also Bianca, like, standing up for, like, how disgusting Joey is. Yes. And I, I like that she did eventually kind of see that for herself. She didn't need Kat to tell her. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. She saw it for herself. It wasn't so- because, like, oh, my God, it's, you know, my sister did this. Like, she was upset that her sister didn't tell her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of talked about before how, like, I, I got annoyed with Bianca for not appreciating her sister, but yeah. I guess she, she did, she did have, have a, you know, was right in some ways, and, mm-hmm. it's just, and, and, and you're right, she did discover Joey's grossness on her own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything else um, you want to talk yeah, about? I, I think, um, I think that's, like, pretty much our assessment so why don't we conclude with um what's like your favorite moments favorite lines we didn't really talk about music I mean we talked about yeah. the music in that scene oh, so you're right uh, there's so many good musical moments I I think my favorite is probably the um fascinating new thing the song that plays when they're on the paintball date like that's oh, yeah. really sweet I don't think I could hear that song without thinking of that scene um, so some of the music has, has aged pretty well and I think is really tied to this movie. When they throw the flyers, too, and they have the song playing. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, I think it's like, sexy boy. What I don't even know the name like, of the I don't know what that is, but it is, but that's what, it, yeah, it's very, like, dreamlike kind of song. Yeah. So. I mean, that's yeah. like, I, I love that look of the flyer. I kind of, I mean, I'm, we, I'm glad things are moving more digitally because it's better for the environment. Yeah. But sometimes I do feel nostalgic for the flyers. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think a lot of my favorite moments are lines. So I liked the whelmed line. You know, oh. I know you can be underwhelmed, but I know you can be overwhelmed. Can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. I think that's a great line. I like the, I like the maybe if we were the last two people alive and there were no sheep, are there sheep? Like, I don't know why I think that's such a weird line, but it's so funny. And then um, one of my absolute favorites, other than like pretty much everything that the dad says, is uh, when Joey, show, Joey's an idiot, and he's showing Bianca his modeling photos, and she's like, yeah, I like this one, and he's like, yeah, it's more, and she goes, pensive? And he goes, damn, I was going for thoughtful. <laughs> it's so good. That's a great line. What about you, Ricky? Do you have a favorite moment or line? Moment. Or, um, a song you really like they played? Did well that we haven't really talked about yet is relating to Seattle and when um, I think uh, Mike and Joseph Gordon Lovett's character tell um, uh, Heath Ledger's character that you can find her at a certain bar because her favorite band is playing mm -hmm. and he's like I would never be caught there dead and then they next cut to him walking into there <laughs> I think that that's sort of a big part of, um, for me at least, uh, starting to date is like forcing yourself to do things that you would normally never want to do. <laughs> um, and I thought that that was a good representation yeah. of that. And, and yeah. I also thought that it was, even though, um, unfortunately, I haven't spent any time in Seattle, but... I kind of think of, um, like, right now I think of, like, female rock bands and, like, a very, like, female empowerment. Yes. Um, so, like, a band that I know from Seattle is Chastity Belt, and I totally felt like they could have been playing at that club. Like, it's all, like, like uh, really alternative uh, women in there, like, enjoying, like, music made by women. I thought they did that pretty well. Okay, I like that. Yeah, so they can, you think they captured the Pacific Northwest girl group as well? Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to know because um, since, since all I know is like maybe generalizations or stereotypes, maybe it's not really accurate, but um, I, it sort of played into what, the, what I have in my head might be right. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I didn't, that's something I also didn't realize, um, like, which is a little embarrassing for me as a feminist, that how much um, of the music, feminist music, came from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's, I mean, at least in this movie, all the live music is pretty much girl bands, I think. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite, like, moments or anything else we didn't talk about, Halia? Um, I like, I mean, that you, you kind of already mentioned it, but when, um, Bianca and um, Cameron are talking in French and she and he's like telling her like can you pass this or do you want this and she was like I want yeah. you to get your head out of your ass but yeah. he's trying to find it in the book. Frantically thumbing through the book. Yeah that's a good one. Oh I guess one thing I forgot to mention and things that did not age well I don't think you could have the Keith Ledger character just giving this random drunk girl over to a guy to make out with her. That reminded me a little bit of like um, 16 Candles. Like there's kind of a similar situation where male characters yeah. are just like, here, have fun. Can't do that. Um, so yeah, yeah sorry. I feel like because it's like that one, was that woman giving consent and it's like. Exactly. I mean that, that gets really dicey and I don't think you could you could have it just kind of glossed over in a comedic way if you made um, that movie now. The, I mean, this is again a repetition so I apologize but just that line where she goes like 
the thing I hate most is I don't hate you at all. Yeah. I think that's like a line I'll never, I'll never be able to shake out of my head. And, but then I, the, but then also the scene after that where she sees the guitar in her car and she tells him like, every time, we, you can't just buy me a guitar every time we get in a fight. Right, that's a great line. Yeah. Uh, there's always uh, maybe a tambourine. Yeah, like there's a tambourine. <laughs> So actually, that's a good segue for, I think, what can be the last segment, which is lingering questions. Yeah. Uh, like after the movie or things that you thought about during the movie. And one of mine was, do you think the two couples, the two main couples, stay together after this movie? Yeah. Um, so it's tricky because with Kat and Patrick, she's going to go to college. Yes. Um, somewhere far. So I don't know. I think... Um, I mean, we all want them to, right? Yeah, I think I think so, realistically, like a motorcycle band driving. Do you want me by. to stop? Do you want me to stop recording and we can? Um, we can like cut that part out, I guess. Okay. Or not? Or everyone can, can hear this. There's a there's a motorcycle group that drove by. They do that so, sometimes. So, so do do you think they stay together? Or do you think they don't? I can see. Okay, this is like very elaborate and definitely biased by wishful thinking. I can see them breaking up and then reuniting later. Sure. I think the kind of of love that they have for each other is something that can age and withstand yes. time. They have a little bit, and you notice this actually in a lot, some other Shakespeare is it, and when he has two couples, there'll be a couple that has like more equality with them. Yeah. And a little more depth to their relationship. And I think Kat and um, Patrick have that. There's like something intrinsic about them that they're attracted to. So if yeah. they wouldn't make it, I'd like to. I think that if they remet, um, they would still. They would still be attracted. Um, yeah. With Bianca and Cameron, I feel like just because, they're like his attraction to her is so shallow. Yeah, it is. I just I don't know. I think they're very <laughs> much like a puppy love kind of first boyfriend yeah i mean i think they're cute together but i don't think they last and then to your point about um cat and patrick you know if this were a real shakespeare comedy every shakespeare comedy pretty much ends in a marriage <laughs> so yeah. they would have to get married but i think more realistically uh i like your answer about them maybe getting together later in life i think that's more optimistic and kind of sophisticated which than what i was thinking which is just probably they, they don't um work out long term but another lingering question I had, maybe this we can end on this, um, other than like final thoughts, is do you think Joey still likes Kat? That was something I kept thinking through the movie. You know, oh, like because he picks on her so he much. Picks, he picks on her so much. He does not leave her alone in that homeroom or that English class. And then he, you know, just boxing in her car and kind of like, oh, thanks for the the table dance like he really picks on her line i feel like there's a little bit of he still likes yeah maybe he wants to do the bet with bianca but it seems like he still kind of likes cat to me i i don't know if that's intentional by the creator maybe, maybe like he says still, like he even says with the bet with bianca like no i'll do this one for free oh yeah so then it's like it seems like there's this particular vendetta that maybe it's not because like he wants to enjoy getting with Bianca, but it's like a stab, it's like a yeah. surefire stab at Kat. Yeah, I think that is a, that is like a deeper read than maybe was intentioned, but I don't know. To me, it seems like he always kind of has to think still for Kat. Is, 
that was true I mean she did she did like tell him I don't want to have sex with you anymore which I guess like I didn't enjoy that yeah and he um you know yeah you have Ricky did you have any lingering questions yeah any final thoughts as we wrap up thank you Ricky for doing this this was a great to have your input yeah it was exciting to be here um first first episode right what an honor what what an honor to be part of this um, I, I just thought that Mary's point was really interesting, and if you want to go a little bit deeper, it might be good to go to the original Shakespeare play, where I think that there might be a little bit more sophisticated commentary and analysis, mm-hmm. because the characters might be, you, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. I explained the one time I've actually seen Taming of the Shrew performed was um, Shakespeare in the Park, and it was an all-female cast, so that was kind of interesting, because it was you know, women playing Patrick Verona and women playing like all of the male characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think certainly the dynamics are a little bit more than maybe a, a 90 minute rom-com can explore. Um, yeah, and then we talked about, so I mean, these are these are great questions to end on. We'd love to hear from our friends. Oh yeah, that's a good point, Holly. I didn't even mention this. I'll put it in the description, but I did make us a Gmail. So if people Perfect. questions comments we have like a, a long list of movies we'd love suggestions cover, but we're happy to take suggestions as long as it's a rom-com we're not going to do like schindler's list yeah um, so it is we're not, and we're not doing the roms without the comms and no exactly. comms we're not we're not roms. doing we're not doing um i don't know well we i mentioned we're not doing like Pride Titanic, and Pride, but we do bridget jones's diary yeah so the gmail that we have set up is to all the rom-coms i've loved before at gmail.com, all lowercase, no punctuation. So I, I can put that in our little description. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone who's listening, um, just what they thought of this podcast, ideas for future rom-com podcasts. And Any answers like to these lingering questions? Yeah, and this was just something that was like, you know, fun for us to do. So, you know, it'd be nice to hear any feedback from someone who enjoyed this. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Um, our goal is to try and do this every two weeks. So, um, Mary, yeah, we'll what are the platforms that they can listen to us on? We have Spotify, iTunes. And Spotify and then Apple platforms. Nice. So and then Anchor, um, you can listen on you can listen on Anchor. Um, it's an app, but you can also just do the website. Holly didn't have to download the app. You can just do the Anchor uh, website on your computer. And yeah, Anchor made it really easy for us to set up this podcast. So thank, thank you, you, Anchor. And thank you, Ricky, for uh, joining us. I think yes, was, thank you. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I'm, uh, it was great. Thank you so much, Ricky. We appreciate you being so very important for giving us a okay um, over time and for us technically having a So, um, all right. Yeah. So, until next time. Till next time. Thank you all. Thank you. It's all the rom-coms we've loved before.